there's a bunch of skills you're going to need to learn that you may not know yet. And taking the time to delve into those is probably the best way to start off any type of business. So we'll get more detailed because again, we get lost in the furniture. We get lost in the pink colors. We get lost in the music we're going to play. And we forget that, oh, wait a minute, there's actually a physical business here that I have to run and be responsible for. Hey friends, I'm Jennifer, and you're listening to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast, a podcast for beauty industry providers and business owners that are wanting to level up their game to create a profitable career. If you're feeling stuck and you want more out of this industry, then join me as I share with you my strategies, lessons I've learned along the way, and how I overcame fear by shifting my mindset to build a healthy business. I built a solid book behind the chair, launched a bridal company, became a salon suite owner to most recently opening up a salon. As creative entrepreneurs, we need an education that empowers us and makes an impact on helping us raise our standards. My mission is to teach you how you can reach your goals quickly, build your books and your business faster, and master the framework for creating a successful and rewarding career. Thank you for joining me. Let's do this. Welcome to your Game Changer Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Alvarez. Today, you guys, I am so excited to introduce to you the Director of Business and Leadership Development at Salon 124 Group in Georgia. He is the co-founder of 124 Go and the co-founder of Shop Talk podcast. He's also a John Maxwell team leadership speaker. Welcome everybody, John Palmieri. Hello everybody. Thanks for having me on your podcast, Jennifer. I'm excited about today. John, I am so excited too because, you know, I have a lot of listeners that have been asking me lately about how do I start a salon suite? How do I start a salon? And I think one of the biggest things that we forget to talk about is all about pricing and structure and budget and all the important things that we need to know, right. we're not talking enough about it. And that is why I'm seeking for your guidance to help my listeners, because you are an expert. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'll be glad to help. Oh, good. So, you know, in the very beginning, when somebody is thinking about launching a business, where should our mind be at? What, what do we need to research first? I, I think that there's so much to that question. So I'm going to kind of start here. I think one of the great resources, and I'm going to point to some books because, you know, our podcast today is only so long. So I'm going to point folks to some resources if that's okay. Uh, I think one of the great books that people can start looking at is uh, one called The E-Myth. And the one I love about The E-Myth um, by Michael Gerber is that he talks about when we start a business, more often than not, we, we get a hairdresser, an esthetician, you know, someone in the service industry who's really good at what they do. And everybody's like, you should open your own business. You'd be so great. And he calls it, Michael Gerber calls it an entrepreneurial seizure, right? Or like, yes, <laughs> I'm going to go do it. And I'm going to go open my own salon or, or my own esthetician studio or my own massage studio. And we pick out the paint colors and we make sure the furniture is just right. And we're going to have certain lights and the colors and the chairs. And we get so excited about what it looks like. And we call that working in your business. And that's where most of us as 
you know, service providers do. We start working in our business because it's what we know. Michael Gerber talks about, it's not about working in your business. You need to learn to work on your business. And when we say- So good. Yeah, when we say working on your business, you're gonna be a business owner now. It's not the same thing as being a service provider. There are different concerns. There are different things you have to learn about. Some of those things may not be as much fun as doing a really good haircut, a balayage, you know, making somebody look and feel beautiful because you gave them a great massage. You know, whatever it is, there's a bunch of skills you're going to need to learn that you may not know yet. And taking the time to delve into those is probably the best way to start off any type of business. So we'll get more detailed because again, we get lost in the furniture, we get lost in the paint colors, we get lost in the music we're going to play. And we forget that, oh, wait a minute, there's actually a physical business here that I have to run and be responsible for. Um, so what are those things? You know, one of the things we, we got to get a real good handle on is we got to get a handle on finance because here's, here's the bottom line. We're good at what we do, right? We're good at cutting hair. We're good at massage. We're good at nails. But the finance part we struggle with. Many salon owners don't know how to read a profit and loss statement. Don't even know what it's for, right? And and not just people just opening. I've worked with salon owners who have had salons for 10, 15 years and still don't know how to read a profit and loss statement. And it's because nobody took the time, you know, to let them know why they're important. You know, cash flow. I'm sorry? Why are they important? Um, Well, there's different reports tell you different things. And, you know, I want you to kind of think of it like you would a dashboard in a car. Um, what a, one of the other important forms is, or one of the other important documents that we build is something called a cash flow plan. And I want you to, if you're thinking about that dynamic of having that dashboard in your car, think of the cash flow plan as your fuel gauge. It tells you how much gas is in your car and whether or not you're going to get to where you need to go. Are you going to reach your goals? Are you going to be able to do the things you want to do? And that's what a cash flow plan does. It's the gas gauge. It tells you how much cash you have. Do you have enough to do what you want to do? do are you going to need more? Do you have plenty? You, you, you can't just check your checkbook, right? You've got to actually have a plan. What's a profit and loss statement for? A profit and loss statement kind of tells you how many miles per gallon you're getting. In other words, are you being efficient? Are you wasting time? Are you wasting money? Um, you know, those are things a, a profit and loss statement tell you. Now, a profit and loss statement also has a side benefit of helping your accountant figure out how much you owe in taxes, because that's why the government wants a copy. But for you as the business owner, it tells you, are you doing a good job at running your business? Are you doing a good job owning a hair salon? Are you doing a good job owning a a massage um, facility? Are you doing a good job at running a, you know, skincare suite? So profit and loss statement tells you, are you being efficient? Are you doing a good job or are you wasting time and money? A cash flow plan is an elaborate budget, but it also tells you, do you have enough cash to do the things you need to do to keep your business running, to meet your goals and to help your company grow? I love that you're saying this. And I hope that everybody has a piece of paper and pen out right now. I know myself, I'm taking a ton of notes right now. Mm -hmm. And, And it's so fun that you're 
talking about this, John, because when I launched my business in 2016, of course, my head went to what paint color am I going to do? What decor? And yet I'm spending all this money on things that are not going to make me money. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you are talking about the importance thing, the important things that are going to help you move the needle in, in your business. And it's like your report card. And I love your analogy on that as well. And I think if, if we hairdressers can just pivot and start thinking differently in our business and look at these statements and this report to really lead the way of how Mm -hmm. we do business. I think that we're going to be more successful, less failures, um, and more profitable in the end. Right. One of the other important things that a profit and loss statement tells you, it also lets you know where your break even point is. And we'll talk more about that as we, as we work through this process, but I want to know how much money I need to make to break even, meaning pay all my bills, pay my paycheck, you know, pay for all the furniture, pay for the you know loans I may have taken out. And I know that every dollar I make over that break even point is a little bit of gravy for me. And if I'm not making that break even point, then I want to know that so that I can put in, you know, whatever pricing strategies, whatever systems I need to create and build in order to at least break even and pay the bills and pay myself. Absolutely. Do you, um, John, do you believe in profit first? Yeah, I know that there's, that's, it's interesting because I know it's a new buzzword right at the moment and I love it because I think, I think like all things with business that become secular, meaning we focus on one thing for five, 10, 15 years. And then, you know, 15 years later, we're like, oh, remember this? You know, it was like, it was like when quality all of a sudden became a big thing for the car manufacturers, right? They made junk for so long. So one day somebody woke up and said, hey, if we made cars better so that they lasted longer, people might buy them from us instead. So quality was such a buzzword for a long time. I think for, in our industry, you know, service, you know, um, five-star service was such a buzzword. It has been such a buzzword for so long. Um, and now we're getting to the point where, yeah, you know what? If you're going to do this, you ought to make a profit. In fact, maybe you put the profit aside first and then pay all your bills secondly. You know, John, do you have like a particular type of math equation that can help us figure out this break even or where we can start to generate profit? Well, it's going to get a little wonky and we, you know, and we don't, um, you know, we should have sent out handouts to everybody before the podcast, but let me try to uh, form a picture in your brain if that helps a little bit. Yeah. If we're looking at a profit and loss statement, there are basically three sections to that profit and loss statement. You know, the first section are uh, what we call variable costs. And what we mean by variable is that they change, they go up and down with your sales. An example would be commissions. If I'm paying somebody 40% commission, the more I sell, the more commission I give away. Also product costs. The more I sell, the more product I use. So those are things that we call variable costs. Variable costs usually account for about 65% of all the dollars you bring in. What I mean by that is if you create $100 in sales, about $65 goes to variable costs. That leaves $35 left over. And those $35, that goes to what we call fixed costs. What are fixed costs? Fixed costs are like your rent, 
your rent pretty much stays the same every month. I know it fluctuates a little bit, but same thing with your telephone. Same thing with heat, the lights, electricity, insurance. All those things are fixed costs. And even if you have somebody working your front desk, a receptionist, they're usually getting paid by the hour. They usually work the same amount of hours every week. So those are fixed costs. And generally speaking, that accounts for about 30% of all your expenses. So if 65% of your expenses go to variable costs and 30% go to fixed costs, that leaves about 5% left over. And that's profit, otherwise known as what's left over, right? And that's the general layout of how the beauty business works. Now, some people, and this is why a profit and loss statement is important, if you're efficient at what you do, meaning you're not spending a lot of money on product, meaning you're not wasting money on hiring front desk staff that you really don't need. If you create efficiencies in your company, you may be able to save another 5%. And so now your bottom line or your profit is 10% of your total. Maybe 60% goes to variable costs, 30% goes to fixed, that leaves 10% left over. And a, an efficient, well-run beauty business will usually profit around 10% in total. Now, there are obviously some that do a little better than that. There are some that don't even come close. But a good goal to shoot is uh, shoot for is 10%. Wow. And would you say the same is true for salon suite owners? Correct. Because, you know, here's the difference with salon suite owners. You know, a salon suite owner will say, you know, I get all of that money, right? Meaning they get all the profit. So their fixed costs are going to be the same. Their variable costs, you know, meaning how much they pay out in commission changes depending on whether or not they're having a busy week or not a busy week, right? Or a busy month or not a busy month. And so your paycheck becomes variable, right? I had a great week. I got paid well. I didn't have such a great week. I didn't get paid very well. And so as an independent suite or business owner who's only, you know, has themselves as an employee, it becomes even more important to track those sales and attract those expenses because now it direct now what you take home directly affects what happens to your paycheck, right? And profit is still important. And the reason profit is still important is I want you to kind of think of profit as another word for savings. It's not the same exact thing, but it's close enough for this conversation to let people know who are opening up suites or studios or starting off a, a small business that Profit equals savings. This is money you're going to put aside for what happens next. If, you're, if you have a small salon, four, four, six, eight, 10 chairs, and the air conditioner blows, you're going to wish you had some profit, otherwise known as savings, put aside to fix that air conditioner. What if you want to hire somebody? You know, again, you're a small four-chair salon. Maybe you, you have two, you know, a double suite. You've got a couple of people working for you and you want to bring in an assistant to help you. Savings, otherwise known as profit, determines whether or not you can hire that person. Because if you're not making a profit, there's no way you're going to be able to hire somebody to come in and assist you. And the challenge is we kind of do it in reverse. We're like, well, if I hire an assistant, I'll make more money, and then I'll have money to pay them. And I can't tell you how many times, unfortunately, that 
blows up in your face. And then two months later, you have to let that assistant go because the revenues just weren't there. Yeah. And you know what, John, I think now more than ever with the the closing of so many salons and in the majority of uh, the states, now more than ever, people are like, wow, I wish I did have that savings. I wish I had that cushion because yeah. it was tough on so many people. And, you know, I know that my hometown, we did a survey of all sorts of different businesses. And mm-hmm. the bottom line was that most businesses couldn't survive without a without sales for right. only four months. And then right. they would completely close. Um, I was t- I was talking to Chris and I, the, the gentleman I'm partnered with on our podcast. We were talking to somebody yesterday who's got, um, you know, a school and a salon. And she said, you know, one of the things that they were very happy with is they had enough money, profit, otherwise known as savings, set aside that if they were actually closed down now, they could last till December 31st and wow. pay all their and pay all their fixed expenses. Wow. So they must run a very tight uh, ship there. <laughs> well, that's again, that's what the profit and loss statement helps you with, right? You get yeah. to sit there and say, am I running in a, a business that's efficient enough that I'm putting away some savings, I'm putting away some profit so that if things get nasty, um, I've got enough money to pay my fixed expenses, my rent, my insurance, the lights, you know, while we're closed. Um, and if you're, and if you're not there yet, then what's your plan for getting there? Because, you know, we've all heard rumors of a second shutdown and God forbid that happens. Are you prepared for that? Do you have enough money? And if you're a suite owner, right. Or an independent, it's not just about paying your suite rent. It's about paying yourself so you can pay your rent or your mortgage, send your kids to school. A hundred percent. Now, now I'd love to know, like with talking about the, the profit loss statements, your cash yeah. flow, like what if you don't even have anything like that? And you're like, I'm, I feel like I'm ready to open up a suite. Like how, like on the financial side of things, how do we know that we're able to do something like that? How do we know that we're actually financially in a place to do that? Yeah. Um, that's where you probably need some help. You know, there, if you don't have an accountant, you know, somebody's it's, it's like hairdressers, right? There's always one hairdresser in the family. <laughs> There's usually one accountant or bookkeeper in the family somewhere, right? So I would connect with them. But there's also great government programs, although I don't know if they're available now because of the, you know, the pandemic. But there's a, a group called SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, and there are um, retired business folks who just want to give back to the community. They do it for free, you know, so they'll sit with you and talk to you and help you figure out a cash flow plan and help you figure out what a profit and loss statement is. There's plenty of stuff online. I mean, just Google the daylights out of it. You know, cash. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I love that you said that because I actually did study with two retired professionals with SCORE mm-hmm. and they trained me on how to read those things that I never thought right. I would ever have to do and didn't know how to do it. And and by the way, it was it was free. So Yeah, it's free. And who doesn't like free? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, so there's so many resources, whether it's stuff online with Google, whether you, you know, contact the people at SCORE, whether you've got somebody in your family. I look at it this way. When you first started learning your trade, whether you're a hairdresser, massage therapist, esthetician, 
You remember when you first started, you couldn't watch enough videos or watch enough YouTube or, you know, read enough books or go to enough classes. You were just in it to win it. You wanted to know as much as you can. It's the same thing with business, you know, learn as much as you can. There's lots of free classes. There's lots of free information. Learn about finance. And I'm not saying you got to become an accountant, right? We're, we're service providers for a reason because we'd rather work with people than sit behind a desk. But you also don't want to be ignorant. You also don't want to be in a position where you're that person who has no idea what's going on in their business. And then six months from now, you know, you've gone through your savings or found yourself in an awkward place because we didn't take that little bit of extra time to learn, you know, what's important in running a business. Absolutely. I think you have to at least know enough to yeah. be able to read those reports and then rely on your professional uh, accountant, a bookkeeper, somebody to help guide you along the way too. Um, right. As a business owner myself, it, it can be difficult. You're wearing all the Right. Um, but I do think that it's so important to at least know the language and to right. know why it's important in your business. So talking about money, is do you have mm -hmm. any suggestions on budget? Because it sounds like if we don't create a budget, we could go crazy with spending money. <laughs> sure. You know, it, that in business, we generally refer to our budget as a cash flow plan, right? So you know, as you so pointedly brought up, you know, it's all about vocabulary is really important. So when an accountant says profit, what he's, he or she's really telling you is how much money are you saving, right? When we talk about uh, cash flow plans, that's another word for budget, right? Um, and so when we're talking about budgeting, we're putting, we're talking about putting together a cash flow plan. And a cash flow plan is basically, here are my variable expenses. What do I think I'm going to pay for all these things? What are my fixed expenses? What am I going to pay for all these things? And if I take, I'm just doing the math. If I have $65 in variable expenses and I have $35 in fixed expenses. So, and I have five more bucks in, um, well, actually $30 in fixed and $5 in profit. That's a hundred bucks. What that means is I need to create $100 in sales to pay all my bills and pay myself. So when you're thinking about running a business, think about what is it going to cost me? How much money do I need to live off of? Because that's one of my variable expenses. You know, how much is the heat going to cost me? What's my sweet rental going to cost me? You know, what's, what do I think I'm going to pay on the phone? What's, what do I have to pay my accountant every week? What do I need to use for back bar expenses? When you add all those things up, and as you pointed out at the beginning of our podcast, profit first, I'm going to put my savings in there as an expense item. Not only do I want to get paid, I'm making a number up here, $5,000 a month, but I want to put another $1,000 a month away in savings and profit, right? So that means I need six. Add all my variable expenses, and it's going to tell me that maybe to make all that work, I need $10,000 in sales. Now, as an entrepreneur, you've got to sit down and say to yourself, all right, how do I create $10,000 in sales a month? Because that's the next piece. Yes, tracking. Right. And so now if I need to do $10,000 in a month, just to make math easy, four weeks in a month, I need to do $2,500 a day. 
I mean, excuse me, a week. If I need to do $2,500 a week, that's $500 a day in a five-day uh, work week. And now you start to sit here and go, okay, I need to create $500 a day to pay all my bills, give myself a check for $5,000, put $1,000 away in savings. Do I have enough business right now to generate $500 a day every day, not just your good days, every day? Do I have enough business to create $500 a day? And if I don't, how am I going to get there? And if I can't get there fast enough, what can I take out of my budget? What can I not spend the money on in order to make this all work until I get there? I love that you break it down that way, because I think oftentimes, especially as a creative, we think of this bigger picture of what we foresee our life and our career to look like. Right. And sometimes that's like daunting, like so far fetched, like, is that mm -hmm. even possible? But it is when you just backtrack, if I need to make $100,000 a year to pay my bills at home, but then also right. my expenses for my business, if we backtrack this, we can really break it down to like every single day that we're actually working behind the chair behind the table. Well, if you want to break it down even further, right? If I have to do $500 a day, and let's say I'm working eight hour days, that means I need $62.50 an hour in revenues in order to make all this work. And that's making sure I sell all eight hours in the day, right? Um, which means if I'm doing a haircut that takes 45 minutes, uh, if I do the math real quick, that's $47. I need to do $47 haircuts all day for eight hours a day in order to get my 500 bucks. If your haircuts are more than $47, that's great as long as you're doing them all day. You know, sometimes we get caught in this thing where my haircuts are 50 bucks or $60. My haircuts are $75. That's great. But if you're only doing two of them a day, that's 150 bucks. You need 500. Where's the other 350 coming from? It does. It definitely makes you think too, like, when do I really need to kick it in high gear? Not, not that this is an excuse that you're going to do the bare minimum, but if you right. know that you're not breaking even to that goal number, that's when you're right. like, what add-ons can I do? What retail can I sell? Like, Absolutely. I, I got to get going. I mean, I don't know about the other listeners, but like, if I'm not making my money, I can't pay my bills. I don't eat. I've, I don't have anything for savings. So it's like, yep. it really kicks it into high gear and, helps to motivate you and if you have a team as well i right it helps you lead right yeah yeah also you know here's another way to look at it because i think this always this kind of helped me when i was going through the process we get stuck in the idea that we're selling haircuts or we're selling massage or we're selling you know nails that's not what we're doing we sell time right every hour of the day is worth x amount of dollars and if you think of it this way if I've got 10 bottles of shampoo on the counter and I sold each one for $10, 10 times 10 is a hundred bucks. So there's a hundred bucks sitting there, right? And if I don't sell them today, when I come back to work tomorrow, those 10 bottles of shampoo are still there. So there's still an opportunity for me. Time is different. I got eight hours on my book. And at the end of the day, if I've only sold two of those, 10, of those eight hours, the other six disappear. It's like they combust and never to be seen again. 
And so we have to become really conscious of how we spend our time when we're working, because if you're going to come in an hour late, take two hours off for lunch, maybe leave an hour early because, well, I'm just bored. You just knocked out four of the eight hours of your day. It's like taking half of those bottles of shampoo that we've talked about and throwing them in the trash. We don't sell service. We sell time. Service is just what we happen to be doing during that time. But whether you're doing a haircut or washing cars, you're still selling time. And that's the mindset we need to get into as independent entrepreneurs is understanding your time has value. That time is allotted so much revenue. This hour's worth 60 bucks. And if it disappears at midnight, I'm never getting that $60 back. Oh, I love that. And I think so often too, like salon suite owners, um, they go into that business thinking I make my own schedule. Um, I, I will collect all the money and it's such a misperception of what right. it truly is. And I can't stand when they market salon suites that way. Cause I'm like, that's right. a lie. <laughs> right. True. Well, it sounds romantic, right? Hey, make your own schedule. Come and go as you please charge whatever you want. You know, and then all of a sudden the reality hits that either A, charging whatever I want, either A, I'm not charging my worth, or in that rare occurrence, you're actually charging more than people are willing to pay, right? And that happens. And you're throwing time away because you're not disciplined enough to keep your own schedule and be able to keep that time available for people to buy. Yeah. John, you talk a lot about like productivity. Um can you kind of talk, touch base a little bit about that, especially like for uh, those who are salon owners with a team? Yeah, well, you know, productivity is one of those words that everybody's like, yeah, my boss says I'm not being very productive and I don't really want to listen to him because I work hard. And yes, you do. But I want you to think of productivity as this. Again, if, if it costs me, just to make math easy, if it costs me $100 a day, to keep my business running, pay for my variable expenses, pay for my fixed expenses, and put a little way in savings, otherwise known as profit. Let's pretend to make math easy. I need $100 a day to do that. Let's pretend that I have, I work 10 hour days, again, just to make math easy. Well, if I need $100 a day and I have 10 hours for sale, each one of those hours is worth 10 bucks. If I sell all 10, I'm 100% productive. If I sell eight, I'm 80% productive. If I sell six, you get the rest. I'm 60% productive. Now that's kind of an esoteric kind of heady thing. It's like, oh, okay, so I'm 60% productive. Who cares? Well, what we're really saying is that 60% productive, you only got 60 of the $100 you need to run your business today. In other words, you're short 40 bucks which means either A, a bill doesn't get paid, B, there's no profit or savings for you to put aside, or worse yet, you're cutting it so slim, your paycheck gets really small. So productivity is just another measurement on are you being efficient selling your time or are you wasting it? Um, and that's why productivity, especially for, you know, it may not be something we think about as suite owners or independent contractors, we should, but, you know, I can understand why we don't. But if you've got a multi-person location, two, three, four, 
you know, for our company, we got 150 hairdressers. Productivity is really important because if we're not selling that time, there's 150 people I'm going to write a paycheck for, right? And and what do you do if you're finding that one of the, your staff members are not meeting that productivity percentage that you have, uh, uh, that you want them to achieve? Well, I think the, you know, the first challenge is understanding, right? Because I can sit here and tell you this now on this podcast and, you know, you'll go, oh yeah, that makes sense. But for many salon owners, they don't even know that productivity is a thing, right? So how do I explain that when I don't myself really know what it means or how to measure it or how it impacts my business? So that's getting back to where we started off in this podcast, you know, learning what finance is about, learning the important things to measure are, is crucial because I can't explain it to you well unless I understand it well myself. Now, the next thing is I'm going to talk to my coworkers, my team and say, hey, look, you know, same thing we just did. This is why productivity is important. And for me, it's not about working more hours. Uh, my goal is not to teach you into, uh, to talk you into working 50 hours a week. I don't want to work 50 hours a week. I don't want you to do it either. But if you're going to work 30 hours a week, how can you best utilize those 30 hours? If you're going to work 24 hours a week, you know, it's, you've heard the old adage, it's not about working harder, it's working smarter. I would rather work 24 hours a week and sell all of them than be on the schedule for 40 hours a week and only sell half of them. Absolutely. That's just a waste. Yes. That's a waste of my time, yeah. right? What can you do with the time that you are there? So if I am going to be there, I'm going to put that time. If I'm sitting here in the back room, if I'm sitting in my office and I don't have a guest to service at this moment, if I'm not making money, then, and I'm, I got to be here, right? Because I'm hopefully a walk-in is going to come in or hopefully somebody's going to call in the last minute and they're going to say, John, do you have any openings? Yes, I do. Come on down. But until that phone rings or someone walks in the door, I'm on Instagram. I'm, you know, looking at my, my schedule for tomorrow to see what I can do to do add-ons. Are there people there on that schedule that I know need this for retail because their color is fading or because their skin needs a little extra help during the summer? I'm, you know, just like a cash flow plan, I'm planning ahead my service options. What am I going to do tomorrow? Heck, if I've got a customer, it's like we're having this podcast at four o'clock. If I'm going to get a client coming in at five, I got the next half hour to kill. What am I going to do for that five o'clock? Yes. To try to make up for the fact that I just lost an hour that I couldn't sell. So let's go back. If each one of my 10 hours is worth 10 bucks and my four to five o'clock doesn't show, I'm now short $10. Is there a way that I can get my five to six o'clock client to spend 20 bucks instead of 10, right? To make up for that hour that just got, you know, that just blew up on me because nobody took it. I love that because you have to be intentional when you're right when you're at work, right? The whole yeah. point is to make money. <laughs> and you know, I, was, I, I said this the other day, and I, I meant it in the in the kind way that that I really did. Uh, there were two new staff members in the back room the other day. I was walking by, and you know, they were looking at the computer monitor, and they were they're they had both had openings and they were staring at it and they were staring at it, <laughs> staring at it. And I kindly said, Hey guys, you know, what's happening? It's like, Oh, we both got cancellations. And I was like, oh, okay. 
And it's like, well, what are you guys doing now? It's like, oh, nothing. We're just waiting. And I'm saying, well, what are you waiting for? You know? And I, I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I was just, I wanted to know, what are you waiting for? You know? Because here's the thing. I mean, we can sit there on the phone and, you know, watch, you know, TikTok videos for the next 45 minutes. But I'd much rather figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my day. What am I going to do tomorrow when my first five clients come in? How am I going to turn what otherwise was, you know, a lemon into lemonade? Absolutely. And I think if you are in a salon environment, um, you know, I think it's so important for like for my team. I'm always like, if you're not busy, talk to your other teammates and find out how can I service your client? You know, so if you have spa services and salon services, you have to work together as a team. Sure. Which I think adds so much more value to the customer experience anyways. Well, if you're in a, an environment where there are nail techs or massage techs or skincare estheticians and you are got nothing to do, I'd go talk to the, those clients. Hey, my name's John. You know, I'm an esthetician here. Um, you know, have you ever thought about any rock services that we have here? Now, you've got to exchange that. Because if I'm going to get the permission to go talk to a guest that's getting their hair done to talk about skin services, I want to make sure I return that favor to my skincare guest for anybody who's, you know, doing hair. And they want to come over and talk to guests about, you know, our hair services. You know, you get to support and build each other up, which is one of the great things about being in a team environment. You get that option. It's hard to do it all by yourself in the suite, right? Yeah, definitely. And and it's funny how sometimes the mentality um, is like pulling teeth when it comes to cross-promoting, which I don't understand. Well, um, I think it's because we, we're uncomfortable, right? We don't know that person. I'm going to be awkward. I'm going to sound like a salesperson. You know, I get all that. I really do. Um, you know, I when I first started in my career, I was the same way. But here's the thing. They don't look at the guest doesn't look at it that way. The guest looks at it as, wow, I didn't even know you guys did skincare here because yeah. I go someplace else to get it done. Now I can come to one place, right? Oh, I didn't know you guys did that. You got massage in the back. Well, how long have you had that? Seven years. You have? <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, it's awful that you, your guests don't even know that. I think that's just a beautiful thing when you can collaborate together and right. create those services. And if you're looking to make more money, be more productive, you have to get uncomfortable to become comfortable. Right. And make I mean, now I walk up to complete strangers and say, hey, can I do your hair? And they're like, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> because you've done it enough that you also, you know, the other thing is it's not just about doing it for the sake of doing it. It's doing it enough that you come across confidently. Right. So that when you walk up to a complete stranger and say, hey, I'm a hairdresser. Here's my card. Now, like, really? When, where do you work? I'd love to come see you. I love that. Yeah. John, do you have any other books that you would recommend or um, any business things that you think that would be really beneficial to business owners? Um, you know, there's so many, um, you know, from Good to Great by Jim Collins is a great book. I, I love that one. Um, there's... Um, uh, John DeJulius wrote a book. I forget the title at the moment. It's about custom, uh, Secret Service, I think it's called. Uh, it's, a, it's an older book, but um, I think he's got an updated version. But it's great about, it's talking about service, how to take care of customers. Um, you know, you've already heard me, you know, talk about um, uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. That's an awesome book. Um, those are probably my three top ones. 
to learn how to, you know, one, how to run a business, two, good to great is giving you examples of what good businesses look like. And the third one, Secret Service, is all about, well, how do I deliver that to my team or how do I deliver that to my customer? So I think those three are a good start. That's awesome. And I'm going to make sure to put in the show notes those books um, as well. And now I haven't, you brought this up, so maybe you have. I haven't read Profit First, although I've heard wonderful things about it. Have you read it? You know, I am not a big reader. I'm a podcast junkie. Got it. So somebody <laughs> out there, read the book and tell us how it is because I've heard. The cliff notes. <laughs> yeah, I've heard really, 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 really good things about the book from many, many people. It's just unfortunately my reading list. If I buy another book, my wife will throw me out of the house because um, <laughs> there'll be no more room for me. Um, but I've heard nothing but great things about it. And it talks a lot about what we just talked about today. I love that. And, and John, I'm really interested in this. You trained with the John Maxwell team leadership, yep. leadership and you're a speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any type of advice you can give to salon owners who have a team when it comes to, to leadership that you've learned um, by going through that program? Yeah. You know, leadership, I really believe that you need a coach or a mentor um, because here's the thing, if you knew what good leadership looked like or was, you'd already be doing it. And, you know, I'm pointing at myself when I say that, right. You know, I, I knew what I knew about when I had a, when I had my own salon up in Massachusetts for a period of time, I knew what I knew, but I wasn't a great leader. Um, I went and got training. I went and hired a coach. I went and worked with a consulting company and they taught me so much. One of the things that John Maxwell talks about um, as he talks about, you have a leadership lid. And if you look at it on a scale of one to 10, maybe your leadership's at a five and you want to raise it to a seven, right? And that's your lid. Your lid's at a five. And, you know, when I worked with a consultant company, I got to a five or a six, but I wanted to do better. So, you know, I took the John Maxwell program and now my leadership's at a seven, I hope. Um, you know, and then I'm always attracted to mentors who can help me get even further with my leadership skills. So to answer your question directly, find a coach, find a mentor, join some type of a program. But I really think the best way for you to you know, get leadership skills is one, you've got to actually do it. And the best way to do it is to have someone point out to you where you're succeeding, where you're failing. And then sooner or later, you'll outgrow that coach and you take your next step. I love that. And it, it just never stops. You never stop learning, and, right. you know, from going from a commission stylist to a salon suite owner to a salon owner. I can tell you that it's still a learning curve and I'm definitely learning a lot about finances and leadership. And it's not, it's no longer about necessarily how good I do hair or makeup. It's, right. it's more so leaning on finding somebody to help mentor me so I can be the leader that I'm meant to be. And, um, and then also making sure that I understand my finances because in the long run, it's going to help my business grow and it's going to help for my family as well. And I think I always, my motto is that we need to create a career that supports the life that we want to live. Right. I mean, I always got kind of go back to the analogy of, you know, you always hear these stories about the people who win the lottery, right? They win $25 million. And then three years later, they're filing bankruptcy, right? Yes. And they're always like, how does that happen? And I can tell you how it happens. 
Nobody took, I mean, NBA players, NFL players, they make 30 million, 40 million, $110 million contracts. And then you find out five years later, you know, that a janitor at a high school because they, they spent all their money. And we like to sit here and go, oh, they wasted it on whatever. No, they didn't waste it. Although I'm sure that's part of the equation. Nobody took the time, effort, and energy on how to help them manage money. We, we manage hair really well. We manage skin really well. But if nobody's going to show up knocking on your door and saying, hey, let me teach you about money, you got to go find out yourself. Absolutely. John, thank you so much for all of your, your insight and your wisdom. And is there any final words of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners today? If I'm, if I'm going to add anything, look, most of this stuff that we're talking about today, you can find for free, whether it's the, the folks that score, whether it's Google is your best friend, you know, there's almost really no excuse at this point for not being able to find the information you got to find. If you're not a reader, fine, go talk to the folks at score. If you don't want to talk to strangers, fine, Google it. If you don't want to Google it, fine, go to the, the library where books are free. You know, there's so many different sources for information now. You, you just got to go do it. You know, don't let don't let the crutch of I'm good at hair or I'm good at skin stop you from being the amazing person you can be. If you just learned just a little bit more. And, and um, John also has some great YouTube education as well. Yeah. Um, so make sure to look up uh, John Palmieri and I'll link a few of those videos in the show notes. And John, how can our listeners find you and follow you and get more of uh, all that you can offer? Uh, the best way you can find me is to use my social media media handle, which is no indoor voice. Um, it's no indoor voice on Facebook. It's no indoor voice on Instagram. It's no indoor voice on TikTok, on uh, Twitter, uh, just no indoor voice at any one of those social media platforms. And that's where you'll find me. I love it. Thank you so much, John, for being a part of the Beauty Business Game Changer podcast. I really appreciate all of your time. And I know our listeners really loved listening to you today. Thanks, Jennifer. It was my pleasure and good luck, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Beauty Business Game Changer podcast. If you love to keep track of your favorite shows, then subscribe to this podcast to receive the newest edition when it's released. This podcast was created with you in mind, so I'd love to get your review to learn how this podcast has helped you in your career. And because I love my listeners and want to connect more, join me in our free Facebook community at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash salon and suite business. My mission is to help beauty professionals like you create a career that supports the life you want to live. Thank you for being a part of the journey. Thank you.